Why won't you grow a full beard? What do I have to do to get you? I'll shave my she beard. She didn't let me. I'll it shave got, my beard if you'll grow yours out for a year. She didn't like the scruffy. You hear me? I'll shave my beard if you'll grow yours out for a year. You just let it get out. Well, scruffies are gone. You just let it get I, out. I couldn't get through it, dude. It was so itchy. Sheesh. I've got really sensitive skin. Very sensitive skin. <laughs> Baby. I shave with the pink skintiment. <laughs> what? The ladies' gel. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. It's the it's the most ama- <laughs> <laughs> It's the most amazing. I buy three packs at Sam's. It's the gel. Has no menthol. It, the menthol feels so it good. Like a field of lilies. You're a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> As you shave, you're just running with your arms behind you, singing. Please stop this. These fields are alive with, with the sun. Welcome to Products of Grace. Grace. Hello. Take a swig of this sparkling. Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me today I have Don Terrell and Blake McCullough. So, Don, what are we doing today? Oh, that was even worse. Well, I had to articulate every point so I didn't sound like a Welcome moron. Welcome to Products of Grace. <laughs> so today, what are we doing today? Mm. Today we will discuss the title of today's episode is... I got two sleeves and they ain't gonna roll them sli- themselves. Oh, look, you did it too. Uh, I did it too. It's now now we have to use up. the mess, the messed up intro. Oh uh, yeah, we have to. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. I got two sleeves and they ain't gonna roll themselves. Hmm. Which is also, should I tell you now? What? Or wait, I don't know. Nah, I'll, I'll surprise you. No, I want to know. What? No, 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 it's gonna be a surprise. Uh, it's gonna be a surprise. When is it gonna be a surprise? Here in about. Eight to ten minutes. Okay. Yeah, okay cliffhanger. I like a good cliffhanger. I'm okay with that. I was like, don't let me wait long. It's you know like, I don't a, it's like well an in episode TBC. Okay, cool. To be continued. Got it. Dude, have we ever talked about cereal in this podcast? Like cereal? Breakfast like the, cereal. Yeah, no, I don't think so. We should, Once though. Once or twice. I like breakfast cereal. All right, so when I was growing up, they had toys in the boxes. Do they still mm-hmm. have yeah. toys in the box? I don't know. I don't Always know. the color-changing spoons? Yeah, I love those yeah, things. Same, yeah. Yes, same. Yes. And the decoder ring. Yep. Or a mood <laughs> ring. The decoder ring. This is what I was telling somebody the other day about how you, like, how Christ in the old, t- sorry. I was using it as an You're illustration. Serious. I was using it as an illustration because I was saying, like, oh. you get the right lens and all of a sudden you yeah, can see what's. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See what's before you've been there the whole time. The, right. Whole time. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's a there's a documentary out on next Netflix. Of course there is. Next, of course there is. Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> We're not this here to sponsor not. anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> TM. <laughs> All right. Netflix. It's called like the Pez. Babe, what's the name of the of the documentary? The Pez thing. Bro, I would have paid Paul real. I would have paid real money to have her shout back. <laughs> it's for the narrative. Pez Outlaw. Thanks, babe. This Pez Outlaw. Weirdest. All right. So this dude, I won't spoil the movie for you. It's, I assure you, I'm not watching wholesome. it. It's funny. It's comical. Uh, so is it Out- a documentary? It is a documentary. Okay. Yeah. So he got into the Pez game because he was looking for ways to sell toys. There's like these toy 
conventions where yeah, people sell vintage to- vintage yeah. toys and whatnot. And so he found that back in the day, you could cut off the box off the mail mail in for the free toy because sometimes the toys weren't in the boxes. Okay? You had to mail it in and get. And, and those get always it. made me mad as a kid because I didn't realize that that big thing that was on the box that was all shiny was not yeah. in there. Yeah. And so like, You've been I would to. work my hand all the way down the bag, pull the bag out, be looking for it, and realize it had the, you had to send the receipt, the proof of purchase, mm-hmm. you had to cut the barcode off, yep. mail it in, and then six to eight weeks later, you got the toy in the mail. Which six to eight <laughs> weeks later as a child is <laughs> oh, 36 years. Yes. Like you, I threw them away. I wouldn't even do yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, mm, no, I'm out on know. that. But so back in the day, he was the guy, the catalyst, why the... uh Cereal companies had to put on the bottom of the rules, limit one per household. Because he would buy them all? He was going to the dump and getting boxes of thrown away cereal and cutting the skews off and mailing these things in. And he was getting all these free toys. And so anyways, the episode moves into, he had a Pez game. So there, he was showing all of these cereals that he loved, and I was like, oh, bro, I love that one. Oh, oh I love that cereal. I love that. Julie was like, <laughs> the house she grew up in, like they ate two cereals. That's it. Did you? I, my whole motivation for going to the grocery store was to ride around in the cart and <laughs> eat unwashed green grapes. This oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, you yeah, know? that's real. That's real, yeah. <laughs> and get to go down the cereal aisle, and I systematically... Worked my way, Dewey, De- Dewey Decimal System style. I've eaten every box of cereal known to man. I hadn't done that, but I they were they were like five on rotation. What were they? All right, peanut butter crunch. Okay, I'm here for it. Uh, crunch berries. Okay, going through, and then uh, uh, Cheerios, the classic. Honey nut. Honey nut, of course. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, they have plain Cheerios yeah, that's weird. Like, that like babies I, eat that I you can, throw on the floor yeah. to them like Robin they're pigeons. Berry Cheerios. <laughs> real. Feed the kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what's the... Oh, goodness. What's it called? Lucky Charms. Yeah. There's one other one. Captain Crunch. No, nah, I, I never did the original Captain Crunch. I wasn't that big of a fan. Oh, Don't Frosted Flakes. Captain. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. The best cereal of all time. Oh, wow. Special K. I'm going to find oh. this. Stop it. Is the Rice <laughs> Krispie Treat cereal. Not to be confused with Rice Krispies. Which are gross. Which are disgusting. <laughs> oh, they were like little clusters. They were little, they? little Rice Krispie yeah, Treats. Yeah. Bro, I'm, I'm going to Piggly Wiggly after changer. this, and I'm going to go find that. All right, buddy. I guarantee that. I had such a lady. strange childhood, bro. So <laughs> we have talked about this man. This, this man, this man ain't this is right. This no, brings it back. We, like I didn't go to grocery stores. I don't know if y'all we've talked about this. So like I grew up at a nonprofit owned by the Tennessee <laughs> yeah, I Baptist this Convention. Whole conversation now. <laughs> and so every October, the churches of the Mid South Baptist Association donated Get out of here tons of food and that's how we got our food like our staples that's yeah. how we got our non-perishable food items the, the, the lowest year. level of the food pyramid <laughs> yes grains and, and breads. so like in october and in the weeks following we always had really great cereals like the best cereals were that people had donated but we always had probably like i don't know 12 15 
different types of cereal. On lock in the pantry? Yeah, and my mom put them in the, we talked about this, how my mom had the <laughs> the plastic bins that she would like yeah, uh, transfer them, them into. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, we always had an ungodly amount. <laughs> uh, I think. But so I what always, does that translate into your modern day life? Yeah. Uh, I don't really buy cereal like that. Sarah is trying different things for breakfast that our boys like may or may not like. Yeah. So lately, I've been eating berry Cheerios. Here for it. They're they're good. They're good. Yeah. I had them. For the Cheerios breakfast. are different colors. Yeah. They're well. No. 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 They're like they're are they not. They they're Cheerio color, but they have like little speckles of pink. Yeah, and that's blue what I'm thinking. Purple. Yeah. Uh, and they're really good. And I've had it all week, and I really like them. You so. should tell her to buy the apple Cheerios. I don't I've know had those. Apple but that makes me think of apple is my jacks. favorite. It's what like is? cinnamon, cinnamon apple or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's oh, what it is. They're so good. We did just buy these little baby cookies from Trader Joe's. They come in a tub, <laughs> little baby chocolate chip cookies, and I was like, I could just throw some milk <laughs> on that. <laughs> they have those. They have yeah, those. cookie I'm, crisp. Cookie yeah, but crisp. these are legitimate cookies, right? Like that Oreos, with real chocolate chips. So Jilly bought a Ore- Oreos. That's what it Jilly is. Jilly yeah. bought a box of. Uh, we're always on a special diet. She's on a special diet, and so she had to have so many carbs. <laughs> and so, shredded wheat. No, she bought <laughs> cinnamon toast crunch. What? Yeah, she said, that's, that's my "I don't think favorite. I've ever in my entire life." This is her speaking. I had cinnamon toast crunch. What? Yes. Wow. Like her parents were like against cereal. Yeah. Like they had two boxes of cereal at their house. Life. Ugh. and raisin bran. Oh, you that eat those? Is life just checks? Is that I what it is? Yeah. So. It's unseasoned checks. Yeah, I it's, might like, have it's had the, some it's the kind of cereal or that you a little get. bit of sugar. It's the maybe. cereal you get where you put you put it in there and then you pour like three scoops of sugar and it's like you slurry. I need this. I need this to taste better. That's what we do when we're down bad. You get like the cornflakes that they bought to put on top of the casserole, and you just like not even frosted, just normal sugar on there. That's exactly what I love it. Yeah. I love it. I like a good raisin bran. I will say this. That's I like weird, a good bro. raisin bran soggy. You see, you don't need a goatee with gray hair. Beth you just need to a, tell people that. Beth had a friend age. in <laughs> Beth had a friend in college that would make her cereal the night before and then put it in the refrigerator and eat it. In bro, the that's night. overnight oats, and it's disgusting. Wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't. It was. It was like frosted flakes. It was whatever cereal, and no. she would make it into mush and she'd eat it in the morning. No, I'm leave saying, it in there. The same same in the I'm here for this. No, I could do. I used to. So full disclosure, I would come, wake up in the morning. The motivation of getting up out of the bed. Was to come downstairs, take the raisin bran, whole milk. I'm a big whole milk fan. Yeah, if you're whole milk, milk over the raisin bran, put a bowl of cereal in the refrigerator, go up and get ready for school, and come down, and the cereal had disappeared. No, sir. And it was just you're gross. It no, was sir. just mad. That, that's no. Up. I want to eat my yeah. first. I want to get a little amount of cereal and eat it so that the milk is flavored, and, and the then crunch. put more cereal. Yes, in it. but the crunch you want the crunch. Yeah, so that I can yeah. get crunch. Yeah, it's an experience. And the difference of textures. <laughs> All right, so this all ties together for today's episode, oh, God, believe it or not, because this, today's episode, the title, I Got Two Sleeves and They Ain't Gonna Roll Themselves, is all about the variety that we have coming from our listening audience who's wow. engaged us on social media to provide <clears throat> today's topics of their questions, our answers. Hmm. Amen. Are you ready? You ready? I'm ready. Was that the cliffhanger? So with that, gentlemen, oh. let's find out. 
if we get our sleeves rolled up in the rest of this episode. You know where this comes from? This rolling of the sleeves. <laughs> this man, Blake, to your left, my right, where Products of Grace lives, a couple of weeks ago was, as Blake would say, shucking the corn. <laughs> <laughs> Getting after it. And is it subconsciously? Is that the word? Yeah. Subconsciously begins, and he was preaching on Romans 16 on guard the flock and keep the, the heretics and the false teachers away. <laughs> So Mark and avoid. Uh, yeah, he's Don's he, paraphrase. Yeah, he, this is in the yeah. My it was what I remember. <laughs> so he's and I, I shared this in small group before Sunday service when we were having yeah uh, small group this past Sunday, and I said, you know, I I love the stories of the Bible because they help me recall the material, the truth of the Bible. Right, so mm-hmm. you take like these big narratives. It's like, yeah, I can I can normally like work my way through scripture based on like what's at right, the garden, right? I always think of Genesis. Yeah. So landmark was art, big landmark. And I thought I will never forget <laughs> this particular sermon on this particular Sunday. I, I don't know that I'd ever thought about <laughs> yeah, garden mark in that section of scripture, but it will forever be a landmark from him rolling his sleeves up. This man like unbuttons his cuffs. <laughs> unbuttons cuffs and begins to roll it up. And I said, I came real close to being comedy Don. I mean, like, <laughs> get him, preacher. Or <laughs> doing the, uh, oh, we in trouble now. <laughs> I mean, I had all sorts of. <sighs> I couldn't believe how many text messages I got that day about, about rolling my sleeves up. Was, I had, I really didn't even notice I did it. It was something to, to behold. All right. Who was it? Somebody was like, bro, you started naming names. Those sleeves started coming up at <laughs> the same time. And I was like, whoa. Like, and Rusty was here. Yeah, 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 he was. He was. It was a good time. I came up to him, and I did my Protest of Grace voice. Yeah. I go, Rusty! <laughs> <laughs> Shook him on the shoulders. Yeah. It was good. All right, let's, let's answer some questions. Who's okay. going to go first? You want me to ask him? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read him. Okay. Wait, do we have... What's the order of importance here? I don't know. Like, you have... Like, you were saying that you have a particular question that has to get asked. I, I have, have one, too. I have one, too. Do okay. you have... Let's... let's. I mean, let's someone the, said that you the had their, their questions. Yeah, who's that? Yeah, Nick Carson. Nick said he texted you Is Nick questions. the dentist? No. All right. Do you have his questions? Yeah, but I want to do some lighthearted ones. I liked Reed's. Where he That's said, what would That's be your one. theme songs? I actually thought about this one. So here's mine. You ready? Can they change? Yeah. I mean, let me, let me, lay, the, um, let me lay the spirit of the song here. Don't. Here we go. And we're on a clock because you have to I be know. somewhere. Adele? <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> That's it. Can you imagine Don, Don walking Look, in and hearing Adele the in the background? Hello. It's me. Yep. <laughs> what do you think, Blake? Do y'all ever have those when you're growing up? Do you ever have those moments where you're like on a bus or something and you're like looking out the window? Everybody's yeah, had these like the moments. Main character moment. Yep. Yeah, the so main I was character thinking about that moment. when he asked this question because I was, I don't know, like in ninth grade or something on a school bus and the song was on my little MP3 player and it was um, Fireflies by... Yes, bro. 
Owl yes. City. Uh, I think everybody had a had a main character moment with that song. <laughs> yes, like that song is a main character story moment. That's real. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, the guy's voice is really high pitch, right? Yeah, it's I mean, good. I mean, it's it's a good song. Hey, we'll get in trouble for this, by the way. Sorry, I just That's they real. can't hear it. I don't think they can hear it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like but, calling Mexican restaurants in San Antonio as long as you just do brief. Yeah. <laughs> That, I, that's Skirt not current, but I don't know what a current one would be. So No, I like it. So Fireflies. Can I be a genre? No. No, you have to have a song. <clears throat> all right. <laughs> the Pokemon theme song. So, all right, here's my, here would be mine. Diamonds. Diamonds? By um, Johnny Swim. Oh, or Ben Rector's. Diamonds um, by stop. Johnny. You're wrong. You're just wrong about this. Okay. Or Ben Rector's. Um, this is way too joyful for you, brother. I know. I'm a very joyful. You're a joyful some guy, sort but of you're like, not, like fight bubbly. scene music that you made us listen to one day. <laughs> you were like, I love this. This just gets my juices flowing every time. It was a work. It was something I was listening to. Yeah. It's Dragon, like, it's Dragon Ball Z dubstep. We're not going to talk about that. Oh. We can't um, play it. It was just all music, music. Yeah, it's dubstep, but it's got quotes from Dragon Ball Z all throughout it, and we're not going to talk about that. Yeah! No, we're not. So there's like six people who will appreciate that, and the rest will think I'm a moron. But um, <laughs> that or Steady Love by Ben Rector. Okay. Which is just a beautiful song. Did, did y'all see Adam Page on Twitter today? He said, all of the lights by Kanye West absolutely bumps. I can bench press three hundred when it's in my ears. I hope this doesn't make me a pagan. Did you <laughs> did, did you ask him if it's actually three hundred pounds? I want to know if it's actually three hundred pounds. Um. Anyway, I don't so yeah, that's that's my you. that's my theme. That's my theme song. <laughs> Probably steady love. No, no, no. It's the steady fight song. Love. Definitely mm-hmm. with everybody envisioning yeah. that you're rolling your sleeves up. <laughs> it's fitting. All right. What's the next one? Next question. Uh, we're dinosaurs are on the ark. Who knows? LOL. All right, next question. <laughs> next question. <laughs> Can we take uh, a bus to the Ashbury Revival? No. This seems to be really polarizing. Yeah, I, I, I'm... People are waiting off in this. Yeah, people are waiting. So this is an interesting one. I actually don't know why people are speaking so affirmative of it. Or, but I think also so deniative of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm and a, a lot of it's like anecdotal evidence. Like the the yeah. real truth of the matter won't yeah. be known until Years. time elapses. Yeah, so I got a text message about it the other day, which was like, "What do we think about this?" And I said, "Time." That's what yeah. I said. But I do have some concerns about like one of the major one of the major things that's being said about it is that Asbury is becoming more LGBTQ affirming because of it. I've seen like one person say that. I've seen a number of people say that. And yeah, I think is like there's history over in California. It. Like you can do studies on like these, there were real revivals, mm-hmm. quote unquote real. Yeah. But then there's like, um, Darren and I talked about this. The Burnover District. Yeah, Burnover District. Yeah. yeah, but I also think like <laughs> in Acts you have obvious revivals right and yeah. then you have people trying to co-opt those revivals mm. for their own purposes like yeah. simon the magician sure. right so like i think that my my hopefulness right is that there are real things happening and maybe there are people co-opting it for their own yeah. evil yeah. purposes yeah. but like it would be amazing if 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 there was real fruit coming out of it and you know, I think there's some folks that seemingly we would agree with on a lot of things who have been and anecdotally yeah. Yeah. say they see good things. Yeah. And so... But I've seen a lot of people say, like, there's this... Maybe not one person, but there's 
There's a number of people there like, that well, are. If that person's there, then. And yeah. I get that. In all fairness, but that guy's like, a total Simon the Magician talking about. is yeah. there. Right. right. And like enacts and is co-opting it for his own evil purposes. Yeah, and then in Philippians, they address it to say some preach Christ from envy. selfishness yeah. and yeah. envy. Yeah, and so that's where I think like yeah. I think we can be hopeful. Sorted game. Yeah. And we can wait. Yeah. We don't have to write it off completely, and but we don't have to wholesale take it. And we don't have the no. funds to charter a bus. Nor would we if we had and the And if funds. we did, we'd go somewhere cooler. But there are people with the disposable income. Like the Ark Encounter. Yeah, we'd go to Kentucky oh, my for goodness. that. Um, Not to so, but, so, so, I almost said I something think, really high. Yeah, 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 I'm glad yeah, I got that. Yeah, yeah, me too. So uh, my mom's on the way there right now. <laughs> She's like, yeah, Connie! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, She's going to uh, listen to this episode on yeah, the way home. So, but, you know, I think, I think there's... Is there is there fruit that's being produced from it that's that's real probably mm. right? Is there fruit that's being produced from very it that's likely. bad and disgusting? Very likely. very likely. I would both sides. Yes. Yeah. Very and likely. so, like the question, the, the time is the appropriate answer. I've engaged one person on it, um, but I, I just I don't know the primary mark of <laughs> the primary mark of of a revival, a good one, right? Like so, like first great awakening, not second. We don't take our cues from the second great awakening. The first great awakening is repentance and remembrance and a return to God. And so like that's those are the things that I want to see. And but you know, like the first great awakening, what was marked it was was souls being converted and brought into good churches. So, you know, I I'll be I'll be um I'll be waiting. That's kind of where I am. I'll be waiting. Yeah, and I think uh, what makes me upset about it is that it just it is a further indication of the fact that in our culture we have to say something about everything. Yeah, and it's just like I don't care. Just wait and see. Yeah, like we'll see. You know. All right, lighthearted question: Is Chick Fil A truly Christian chicken? Baptized in buttermilk. Or is it just, what does the rest of it say? Or is it a corporate marketing scheme that has successfully conned evangelicals for decades? I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it has to do with it's good chicken. Yeah, but you kind of wonder, right? So you kind of wonder if there is this better business and employeehood in a, in a Christian subculture. I don't understand. Like in a statement. Christian culture. Mm-hmm. Or in a in a restaurant that is that is informed by Christian culture, like is that part of the reason it? for their success? No, I'm not no, saying I they market the it reason... as Christians. I'm saying is their business model better because they're Christians oh, and because therefore it adheres to Christian ethics, ethics and yeah. principles. Yes, I also right. think that it attracts better employees. <clears throat> well, they seemingly have better pay scale than I've others heard. It's and... a tough place to work. Really? Yeah, I've heard that too. It's a burnout. It's yeah, high, it's fast paced. We have a number of people who used to work at Chick Fil A. here. The motivation there is like, oh, because they they open the door ground up, right? Yeah, to get into as a as a franchisee. Yeah, if you yeah. buy it, you manage it. Yeah, you, that's what you come that's a re- the system. See, I think that's a really appropriate model because no, that's the one I'm yeah, saying. Like, it, I think yeah. that there's because you take ownership. Yeah, you there's have an ethics, opportunity yeah. to owner. ethics that find their place in Christianity. Yeah, yeah that's fair. That. Alternatively, the issue I have. So they're serving cauliflower now. No, it, to me, it issue. insulates <laughs> those types of businesses from real oh, I criticism. I agree. I, I don't. So I just, yeah. I would be very careful 
We've already criticized them on this program. Yeah. No, I'm just saying in general, right? If you yeah. advertise your business as you are Christian, and you advertise your business as a Christian business, because you shouldn't you be upset when you get criticized. Yeah, and it doesn't insulate you from the fact that you're still responsible. I think it actually opens you up to, to a, harsher criticism. To a harsher criticism. Yeah, that's fair. And they're a Christian business. Like that's the comment. Right. And they're a Christian How dare business. You yeah. Complain about their shrinking. Chicken, chicken patties. Filet. That's so real. It is real. That's Somebody real. told me, goes to church here, used to work there, said they bred the chicken in the morning the exact same way that they bred the lunch sandwich. And I said, brother. He told me this too. They confused you. Yeah, they, like, I, I can't believe that. They, I can't get there. I can't I believe that. The, it does, it I, is I said, not okay, the same. I'll, I'll give into this. The batter gets thicker the more the flour and the things get Mixed in together. it. together? Yeah, so okay. the early morning is the thin. It's what the lunch sandwich should be. Yeah, I want the crunchy crunch. But the flour from that, for, I'm, I'm assuming they're taking the chicken, flouring it, and then going wet batter, and probably back, back yeah, into yeah, dry. Sure. And there's an exchange <laughs> of flour into the wet that just gets it thicker and thicker yeah. and thicker, and you can't ever get it out. So by lunch, it's right. Yeah. But the breakfast. Yeah, I agree with this. He says the same thing, so. All right, give us a question, Blake. Uh, y'all want serious now? Yeah. Uh, well, oh, this is a great one serious. that I think is really that is is a really cool question to talk about. Carrie Mayo asks, "Why do we pray before a meal? Why do we pray before a meal?" This is a good question. It is a good question. So I I, I think that it's it's I, I I wouldn't say that it's a biblical mandate. Uh. uh I think that it can reflect a biblical mandate. No, no, no. Okay, so I think it reflect. I think it reflects the gratitude of the individual and understanding where our food comes from. I'm saying that praying for praying over a meal, I do not think is a biblical mandate. So I, I think this is just my, <clears throat> sure. this is my hot take. I think it's descriptive. It's not prescriptive. Okay. When Christ gave thanks. Ah, I'll over that. The, yeah, uh, yeah. I would, although he's not having a meal at that point. It says that they had finished the meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had moved into this last. Yeah institution of the Lord's Supper, but he's, he's blessing it there, right? You're still eating and ingesting things, yeah. so. I but, think it's, sorry, go ahead. No, go, no, you. I think it's important to express gratitude. Like, I think the beauty of, the beauty of Christian prayer over a meal is we understand that the normative operation of the whole world is God's providing, yeah, right? So you can God pray. provides food. What? You can do like these. I find myself sometimes like, I have like that A ritual prayer. prayer. Yeah, yeah, it's like I, I don't. Know. I don't even know if I believe that to be erroneous. I like. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm what do you mean? On that no, I. I think that like my general expression right over a meal. The two things I'm going to pray for is that God would grant the conversation to be edifying and encouraging, and that God would bless the food, the nourishment of our body. Yeah, I think that, I think that those are reasonable prayers. I do too. Yeah, and yeah. I don't have a problem with having yeah. a structured prayer. Mm-hmm. I just think sometimes the structure can take away from like you actually you actually being that grateful. Spirit. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah, so we just I, have to be guarded again. Yeah, yeah. I see it as a reminder. Like I yeah. typically, I've gotten into the habit of saying, "Give us grateful hearts." So mm. the kind of like the idea that we should be a grateful people, and this is just part of that. Yeah, and I think it's an opportunity to thank the Lord publicly for whoever made the meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I think people have co-opted what you're talking about and made it prescriptive and set and like acted like you're unchristian if you don't pray for the meal or like somehow it's not it's not a good meal if you don't pray for it. Like you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question. Do you pray before or after the appetizers? <laughs> I pray <laughs> after the chips come at the Mexican restaurant. So like the chips come, you pray. They're not no, blessed. No. After. 
Yeah. Okay. Appetizer. Okay. Bliss, okay. Yeah. So the yep. the meal comes. So you order an appetizer. You eat the appetizer. Then you pray. Before I don't know. Meal. I mean, this is chip and dip. Now we're so talking. That's a different funny. category, right? This is okay. funny because last night we uh, for Valentine's we had a family member over and we had an appetizer like an hour before we ate dinner because the mm-hmm. dinner took a while. And so we prayed before the appetizer, and then we were all sitting at the table, and everyone was like looking at me, like, "Like, are you oh, gonna way? pray?" And I was like, "We we prayed before. We, I know it's an hour ago. We prayed already." And they're like, "It just feels <laughs> weird." No, 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 you pray. This is where I am. Like my and I was I was talking to uh, a, a precious sweet man about this. We were having we were having uh, lunch, and I said. And I said something I just learned about you. You pray before the appetizers, and like that's I, that's a mental note I take of people because it's like, oh, what do you do? Where do you want? I pray. I pray before the meal. Yeah. Not, so appetizers, they come. We eat the appetizers, and then we bless the meal. But that's just so because strange. that that's just because that's the way my family's are always done it. Yeah. So appetizers are exempt. We we assume they're pre blessed or unblessed or unblessed. What if you're making breakfast for just one, just yourself? What are you doing then? I'm like, just eating it. You're just eating it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that I'm quiet it. moment of I eat my breakfast prayer. with one hand while I use the other hand to drive. Yeah, I think I think, <laughs> but I, but I think but I think there's something about sitting down as a as like a unit and eating and 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 praying over that meal in that way. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I'm because I, I think that you can. I don't know. I think about expressing my gratitude. Do you pray before a snack? Snack? No. No, yeah. I, I do. I do see the distinction yeah, of yeah, like yeah. opening your home up, whether it's friends, family, yeah. blood relatives, whatever. But I, th- I mean, we I think we, we're also training our children. Yeah, we pray before. So even like, if there's yeah. no one else there, yeah, like I pray with guys. Mine are gone. I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but I mean, but I mean, we pray. We pray with our family. Well, like if it's just us eating, then we pray. But I mean, like if I'm making my way out the door or something like that. Yeah, then, same, 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 yeah. same, same. I'm just saying. I was trying to say. I yeah. really do see the distinction in like. It's a, I, mo- it's a familial moment yeah. around the table. To answer sure. the question like precisely, I would say the reason that we pray before a meal is to express gratitude for gratitude to God for providing and recognizing that though His provision is ordinary, it is still His provision. Mm-hmm. Like I think we forget that God provides the meal because it's so normative for us, but He He is the provider. You know what I don't like, and you ruined this for me, Lawson. Oh, good. So I'm at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'll just tell off on myself. I'm at Thanksgiving, and it's like, oh, let's let little baby so-and-so pray. <laughs> and we do the... God is great. God yeah. is good. Yeah. I can't talk. I, can, I, 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 I can't, I can't, my I can't talk hearts. about this live. Lawson, God, you I can't ruined ruined this. I can't talk about this live. You've ruined it. Because the question is... Say the question. I can't. I can't talk about this live. <laughs> we don't have to even address it. We can just put the question out. What's the question? Does God hear the prayer? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> All right. Next question. <laughs> we let Isaiah pray at the table, and then we just chase it with another one. But, <laughs> no. That's the thing, like, it's, but I mean, understand, understanding that we like, got you covered, bro. Te- I, I think there is a matter of teaching there, but it's like. You know the teaching matters. Sure, you want to so talk like, about this? No, I don't. But anyway, <laughs> so so like Rowan, he does I, not have sleeves we today. Teach, we teach Rowan. We teach Rowan the Lord's Prayer. Okay, like we're memorizing Scripture is what we're doing. Right. right? So anyway, okay. Uh, to what degree does sins have levels? 
This is a good question. Like, what's the difference between lying and murder? Clearly, we have different civil law punishments, but how does that work in the eyes of God? So there's obvious... I grew up with the statement that all sins are the same. I think that's an unhelpful assessment. We can say all sin is sin. Because... Yes, absolutely. That was almost like a lightning of sins, it seemed like, in my... Right, but they're sin level. So like, yeah. Yeah, but but it was like making all sin light. Like it wasn't... Yeah, 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 yeah. When I say sin leveling, normally what we're doing is we're not leveling them all to the level of murder. You're placing them all in the same level. You're going all to the white lie. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and so like, you you can play those games if you'd like to, but but I think the the primary purpose is to say, first and foremost, all sin condemns you before God. Yeah. Right? That's that's the important note, but it is very clear that there are sins. I mean, even in Scripture, there are sins that God speaks more strongly on, that God hates one who sows discord, Right. Um, or you can even get to sins that are natural and sins that are unnatural. You can get mm-hmm. to sins that lead to death and sins that do not lead to death. And so there's obviously distinctions in in sins, but we don't look at those and say, ah, this one sends you to hell fat. Like, no, it's like right. this one condemns you before God just like all the other ones do. But I do think it's a helpful category to have sins that are natural and sins that are unnatural. Um. So, for instance, like the, I don't know why this this used to like be a common knowledge. Perversion. Yeah, so like Romans one, right? Romans one is really helpful in this because there's like there's sins that are natural that are that are wicked, right? Like fornication is a wicked sin, but there is a pretty clear progression of sinfulness that lands you at homosexuality, which is a unique perversion of um of God's this gift. This may be of a sex. terrible illustration. But let's see. I'm I, actually really scared of this I'll, now. I'll float it out here. All right, having like an unhealthy appetite. Sure. For sex outside of marriage. Adultery. Yeah. That's what we would okay. call that. Okay. Is akin to this is this is my illustration. Okay. Eating at the buffet, gorging yourself at the buffet with real food. Yeah. Homosexuality is going to that buffet and eating people. Like cannibalize. Like Yeah, it, it, that that's what I'm saying. There there is like a there's unique, something yeah, there's like an unnaturalness to it. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, has yeah. to be. Because like Is that so, okay? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, I think go. it's fair. I would almost say it's more like going to the table and eating glass. Okay, like I mean, it's. it's I was going to say, yeah, like eating the forks and yeah, knives. yeah, <laughs> like it has a unique perversion, and so I think having categories of natural and unnatural sins are important, and so um, and then also sins that lead to death. Like there, there are sins. For instance, if someone if someone commits murder, the civil magistrate decides that that person's going to be executed because mm-hmm. they committed murder. You committed a sin that leads that led to death, mm-hmm. and. You you becoming a Christian does not relieve that, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you have life in Christ, mm-hmm. and you'll go and experience eternal joy with Him. Yeah, He says, "Let none of you suffer as an evildoer, exactly, like as a murderer." Yeah, or, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so yeah, I would say there, I would say there are there are levels, but the most important thing to note in the midst of this is before God, all sin is condemned. Yes. Um, what were some of the biggest theological shifts in your study of the word? You read my mind. I like this one. I'll go, I, I'm somebody else go first. Bleaky, bleaky. So, thankfully, I'll I'll say thankfully. Um, my most of my theological positions were things that those who discipled me from an early not early-ish age, like in high school believed and so i didn't have one of these like i would definitely had a cage stage but i didn't have like a shift 
Like I didn't shift to a more like Calvinistic understanding of salvation when I was like 30 because I'm not 30 yet, but you know, like I, like I, it happened when I was 14 or Mm -hmm. 13. And so like, I kind of, while it wasn't something that I like had learned from an early age, like three, four, five, it was something that I was kind of formed with. Mm -hmm. And so as far as like shifts go, I really don't think that I've had many like theological shifts. I think I've had a lot of shifts in how I see the Bible work itself out Mm -hmm. in like how to live, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, But I don't think I've had many like deep theological shifts. So I think for me it's probably maybe not a theological shift, but a deeper theological appreciation, which led to a shift, Mm -hmm. if you will. So like that made me think of one. So yeah, thinking of the gospel in its legal beauty, the the terminology, Mm -hmm. right? Like the words ratification, testator, Mm -hmm. uh, last will and covenant. What what inaugurates the will? It's the Uh proving of the death, the shedding of the blood must be established. Mm -hmm. Those those are the things, right? And it's like once you get that, even in Galatians, what chapter is that? Three where it says. The oh, yeah, uh, slave is the same as a child. And there's some language there that's working yeah. through that idea of... You're like, always a son, but you were treated as a slave. Yeah, yeah, up until the time in which, you know, God sent forth his son, born a woman, born yep. under the law, and he came alive. And, you know, and you by, by him you cried, Abba, Father, right? And so it's like, then you become this this benefactor, this, bene, this beneficiary mm-hmm. of this inheritance that was... Way that was given to you, right? So it's just like it's thinking through that. And it's like establishing that. I think that probably more than anything led to a deeper understanding and an appreciation, which was the theological shift of oh, like this was all, this was all written mm-hmm. before the jump, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that that you know that's like. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I remember that happening. What was the one you were thought? Remember? It was it was like the fuller picture of Christ in the Old Testament. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like in my early twenties, thinking through like seed of serpent, seed of woman, kind of imagery, uh, the, all the types and shadows. I remember writing a paper on Psalm eight and thinking to myself, like, no way this could be about Jesus. And then I was like, ah, oh. but God's sovereign, and I believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that kind of shift, I, I think, uh, happened and. We have, like, uh, it opens up the Old Testament for you, I think, in oh, a way yeah. that I didn't mm-hmm. see before. Um, so I was pretty strongly and staunchly against uh, Calvinism, and then I discovered after I was explained what Calvinism was, I was a Calvinist. So that was, that was a major shift that took place in my life. Um, and like nobody remembers this probably except for Beth who watched, I used to debate on a regular basis against this that I now gladly advocate for. (laughs) And so that was one. Um, the second one would have been, um, understanding typology in a more, in a more full way, which was very similar to yours. Mm -hmm. Mine was Abraham and Isaac that tipped the scales for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, I I have just been given a glimpse of something that I've never seen before. And that along with reading through Leviticus, um, with that Mm -hmm. lens changed, changed my whole perspective on the Bible. And then lastly is that the worship service is for the church. 
Mm. That was one of the biggest ones that mm. if you think about that, that dramatically changes every practice you have. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I grew up in the worship services for the lost people. And it's like, it's not, it's not, um, it's for the, it's for the saints that they can be fed and encouraged, which changes the songs you sing. It changes the way you preach. Mm-hmm. It changes your observation of the elements. I mean, you almost used to apologize for the ordinances. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, oh, well, sorry, guys. This is going to be weird. Yeah, we're sorry do about it. it. Like, we've got to do this one thing. And so, yeah. anyway, um, so those are, those are major, major theological shifts that took place in my life. I, I think all of them were, um, were dominoes. Like, I, I, I got to understand, like, salvation more fully. And then from there, it would, like, it changed the way that I read the Bible. It didn't, I mean, it didn't change the way I read the Bible. It was just like it landed me at seeing the Bible in tota and not in part. And as I looked at that, I was like, okay, well, the, the Old and the New Testaments are not disjointed. There, there, there is discontinuity and continuity. And so, like, I began to see type, and then that landed me at seeing the fullness of the churches as um, given for the good of the saints, not mm-hmm. first and foremost for evangelism. The church scattered is for evangelism, mm-hmm. but the church gathered is for the edification of the church. Hmm. All right, I have one. Okay. I have two. I'll give you my two. These are the ones that got text to me. Um, this one is said to be a silly one. I don't think it's a silly one. I actually think it's a really good question. He says, in Exodus 3, God speaking to Moses and revealing his name. He says, I am who I am. Parentheses, Yahweh. He says, this is my name forever. Why isn't it customary for Christians to pray, Dear Yahweh or Dear Yahweh Father? I like this question. Go ahead, Blake. Blakey, Blakey. I mean, tradition would tell us that in the Old Testament, they were scared to say Mm. Yahweh because of how holy Mm. it reminded them that God was. I think this is one of those, uh, there's a Phil Wickham song that says, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, O Lord, which I think really, like, for me made me feel icky this is probably just my conscience but like made me feel icky like which i think there's a place for us right to say that we can enter boldly right into the throne room of grace and right we, hebrews 10 says that <laughs> you never you better not forget the mediator but right and so like to <laughs> shout his name something that seemed that was so revered yeah in the old testament uh to me gives me pause mm. Um, because you think that the spirit of the motivation is misplaced, or is that you think there's a temptation that someone would interpret it as such? Um, that they would approach the Trinity not in a Trinitarian way. I don't know. I just think of like the 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 Yahweh as being such a reminder of God's holiness. I mean, mm. Moses Mount won't Sinai. even yeah, like he won't even yeah. stand there. Like he's you know he finds out it's yeah holy the people ground. begged yeah don't let him speak to us again yeah and so. Yeah. I think that there should be a reminder of that. So I think, you don't mind? Yeah. So I think all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Christ. Yeah. yeah. And I think like uh, Hebrews is really helpful here, right? When it's talking about that, uh, the, the, that work of mediation that Christ does for, our, for us, that he has now entered into holy places, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the blood of, of, of offering himself. And so I think like there's this idea that all of the Old Testament saints long to see what we see, right? They wanted to know, First uh, Peter tells us, that they all inquired of the Spirit of Christ in them when they wrote the Scriptures and they were carried along by the Spirit. I think, you know, what, what is his name? Like yeah, they when, were. they wanted to know when and what was his name. And then yeah. like you get into what, Luke, and there's there uh, two... Matthew. 
yeah, is it Matthew? Whether it's the you should call his sir, name, huh? You should call his name, or no? Yeah, you should call his name, Jesus, and he will save his people from their right. Sin. But also that the those in the temple that were serving uh, had had been given life up into like they were had been promised to see, and here yeah, he Simeon. comes, Simeon, right? I think it is Simeon. Yeah, Simeon. And he says, oh, I've, I this die. is it. I can die now, right? Yeah. And so, you know, in Revelation, it says he has the name above all names, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus, right? And so I just think, like, one, like once you establish that, like, yeah. that all of the promises of God found their yes and amen in him, then it, it, it is in which I don't think you're, I don't think you're ever, I don't think you're ever walking up to a Trinitarian God in an untrinitarian way, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reality. It's like the Spirit resides in me. He granted me life in the Spirit by sending the Spirit. He sent the Son. You know, the the Father does. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's this Trinitarian work. And so mm-hmm. I, I have a problem. Not a problem, but I think the I think the prescription is that we should utter our yes and amen in, in the Christ. finished work of Christ. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I can I can affirm all that. I think you know some of the regular statements you're going to hear is well, we're not really 100 percent sure. It could be Jehovah, it could be Yahweh, and there's even variations of that. You know, it's like I'm kind of I'm kind of with with Don on that. It's like, hey, I have no problem calling him Heavenly Father, mm-hmm. right? Using the term God in the in and not the generic sense, but the true sense of the one true God. And then and then primarily, like when I come, I, I come familially mm-hmm. and kind of in a similar sense where I don't like I don't call my dad and say, hey, Rusty, let's chat for a minute, right? It's like there's a familial sense in which I come, and I come with the appeal to the relational nature of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, think, I don't think it's a point where it's like, don't do that, except in some cases when I say don't do that to certain people. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, it is, I think you're open. I think there's liberty there, but I would yeah. just be cautious like All right, ask the questions about why you're doing it. Yeah, that's yeah. super fair. Yeah, certainly. I think there's a flippancy that needs to be heavily curbed. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, next question. Same person. I was reading in Hebrews 6, is it more accurate to say that a person can reject the salvation they once embraced, question mark, which wouldn't be the same as losing your salvation? He and I had a long text exchange about this. This is this is the one. You this, text this might be either. like an episode. This is this itself. is a good episode to have. But I, I think again, the primary point of Hebrews six and Hebrews ten is actually assurance. Like if you read through yes, them, the yes. purpose is assurance. Um, I'm trying to find the actual text here. I said verse nine, six nine is the hinge point. Yeah, yeah, we could, yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're right. The um, what does it the, say in six nine? Uh, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we we feel sure of better things. things yeah, the things that belong to salvation. Yeah, so, what does the salvation look like? Right. And yeah. So I gave the example of there are those who were, and I said, you know, to me, like often we approach this Hebrews six and we do it in such a way where we remove its context. Yeah, because the context we become is, the protagonist, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, look, man, you got to go back to Hebrews three. Like, who were all those who left I, Egypt with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Moses and perish in the wilderness. I think you have to go further back, even than that. I think you have to go to Hebrews two. Oh yeah, I mean the he- whole well, thing. Yeah, yeah the yeah, Hebrews yeah. two statement is, "How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation?" salvation. And the yes. whole point is, like, when trampling under trampling underfoot the blood of the Son of God is going back to temple sacrifices. That's what's actually been, and so like, that's that's what's being communicated there. And it's like you have all of these things. Like stop going back to 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 the temple in the ways that it provides, and you know this this frankly becomes a 
null and void issue a few years later when the temple mm-hmm. is destroyed. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, the whole premise is don't neglect the salvation that has been promised and ultimately provided mm-hmm. in the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And so the warning passages, like if I were to teach them, I would teach them with severity, mm. right? But in the midst of the severity, the purpose is to warn and tell you there is no other hope outside mm. of Jesus Christ. And so to make that really, really clear, again, the concept of apostasy, is it a possibility? The answer is like apostasy in a sense is possible, meaning that you can claim Christianity and apostatize and depart from the faith that you professed. There is no means of being vitally connected to the Lord Jesus Christ right, and right. then be lost. We have to interpret the clear passage here of First John 2. They went out from us because they were not of us. If you're vitally connected to the Lord Jesus Christ through repentance and faith and through the grace that is in him, you cannot ever be cast off. All right, so here's the end of our text exchange. I said, and I think I grew up with this individual. I think we grew up yeah. with this individual in church. I said, I think we can name names of people who seemingly fit uh, this for bill. for sure, yeah, yeah. Folks we grew up with, they have zero interest in God, yet we're raised in the loving admonition of the church, but are heinous enemies to God now. Yeah. Then I quoted Calvin. He says, the ungodly deceive themselves by such sayings as this. This is what they say. That it will be sufficient for them to repent of their wicked life at their last breath. But when they come to die, the dire torments of conscience which they suffer prove to them that the conversion of man is not an ordinary work. As then the Lord promises pardon to none but to those who repent of their iniquity, it is no wonder that they perish, who either through despair or contempt rush on in their obstinacy into destruction. But when any one rises up again after falling, we may hence conclude that he had not been guilty of defection, however grievously he may have sinned. Which is, bro, that's just... yeah. Give it to me. Mm. Big cereal bowl. <laughs> num num. That's good, bro. That's good. All right, next question. All right, for on text questions, here's one I got. Q&A question. Joint bank account for married couples? Question mark. Yes or no, and why? I'll let Don speak. I'm going with Don's the money boy. I'm going with Don. Why don't I go last? Because you normally I think, make yeah, the answer. This. The answer to this is hard yes, I, okay. period. Yeah. I mean, I think... I don't know. I just think that there are pitfalls to avoid, and that's one way to avoid pitfalls. Yeah. And that's one way to further. I mean, you have joined together in more serious ways. Why yeah. not join together in less serious ways? I would almost say the younger you are, the more important this is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, here's where I'm at on it. I, I think you can obviously be happily married and have separate bank accounts. I think that's a reality. Fair. Sure. But I would correlate it to say, in, it, in, in its most extreme case, could you be happily married and attend separate churches, right? And so there begins to be, there begins <laughs> yeah, to be yeah, yeah. like a diversion, right, of mm-hmm. actually the, like the marital vows leave and cleave and become mm-hmm. one flesh. And like, mm-hmm. Blake, I agree with you and Lawson as well. Like, it's, unten- I mean, it's, it's not that it's untenable. It's just, un- it, to me, it's financially unhealthy. Yeah. And, it, and it adds a layer of separation, which, if yeah. given time, could be a means of divisive, like a divide. Well, it it brings the term "my" into your marriage, which right. which doesn't exist or shouldn't right. exist, right? The like there is no "my." There yeah, is because ours. like yeah, and that goes both ways. Yeah, like, yeah sure. for for a, a woman who doesn't work outside the home and the man labors, like I'm reminded often that that is not. It's not that I'm 
it, it's ours. Yeah, it's, like it's I, not that it's my money and you yeah. happen to be on the yeah. account. It's right. like, like it I'm is collective. <laughs> right. Like it's yeah. Ours. So you can still have a joint bank account and have a terrible yeah, outlook yeah, on that, yeah. like one that's an unhealthy disposition as a well, you know, one who works yeah. outside the home. Yeah, but yeah. like even that, I was thinking about this the other day. How like, you know, when I'm tempted to think like this is my money, it's like <laughs> who. <laughs> who would watch my kids while I went? You know what I mean? Or like, who would like, who would make sure my house is a healthy place to be? You know what I'm saying? No, no I get it. Yeah. yeah Julie got a uh, Noel of Valentine's card and a little, oh. and a little, you know, a little gift in the card. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. she opened it up and I was sitting behind her when she opened it up and it said, uh, love mom. And I go, Oh, thanks mom. <laughs> But it's just funny because even though I didn't sign the card, we all know it's from us. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know right, what I'm saying? Yeah. So like even even the things that we quote unquote do individually, like if you're in a healthy relationship yeah. where financial well, financial things are not bifurcated, that's mine or that's mm-hmm. his, like even the gifts that we give, that they know they come from mm-hmm. mom and dad. So Yeah, I think there is a togetherness that is represented in that. Like I also think there's a there's a demonstration of of, of why why a why you work mm-hmm. like i work to bring home money to care for my family mm-hmm. right so it's like i don't understand why we would why i would have that money and why i would be stingy with its depend stingy with its like uses it's like no i this is for our home mm-hmm. we use this however is best i mean i think even then there's checks in that like there are times where i think to myself i you know what I think I'd like to buy uh, some some new uh, some new AirPods. It's like, wait, we have to eat, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, there's a like Beth goes to the grocery store. I mm-hmm. see, okay, well, I had to, this money had to be allocated in this way. I think it prevents you from deceit, and I also think it prevents you from selfishness when you're mm-hmm. looking at a bank account that's mm-hmm. our bank account, and it says that's not my money, that's my family's money. I also think there's a new perspective that enters in when there's children in play. Like my yeah. my whole use of money changed altogether the moment that it's like I have to make sure that you have everything you need for your yeah. whole life, yeah. or at least until you're you know graduated and gone. Agreed. And we're also looking at it in the positive that there's actually money in that account. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's like yeah. We have no money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite moments ever. One of my favorite moments ever was when Beth and I had first gotten married. Uh, I looked at my bank account and I had seventeen dollars, like yes. total, in my account. <laughs> and the, the pastor that I was working with, he was like, "Hey, man, let's go for a ride somewhere." And we get in the car. He's like, "Oh, we traveled on the church's." <laughs> he filled up my tank on for me. It was very kind. All right, sweet. Next question. Um, why does studying theology matter for everyday Christians? Eschatology, ecclesiology, soteriology, etc. Does studying all the ologies actually matter for the common saint? Yes. Yes. I got. It, I, so this it's a broad question, but go yeah. ahead. You have something to say? No, I was just going to say yes too. I wanted to not feel left out. Oh yeah. Like not only does it matter. It matters in all areas of life. Like, I, I don't, this is always a strange thing. It's like, do I need to know that? Uh, uh, the answer is, if it's revealed, you should make it your aim to know it. And why not want to? Um, and why not want to? Um, and, and I'll tell you this: if you're if you're deficient in your sanctification, my question is going to be: Are you deficient in your knowledge of Scripture, and are you deficient in your in your desires to pursue Him? Yeah, that's really. I think that's a really helpful and healthy framework because I think a lot of times when people hear those words, they don't think of the Bible. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, super fair. I think they think mm-hmm. of like 19 other authors that I need to yeah. be well-versed in. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with being well-versed in those 19 yeah. authors, but guess what? Like some of the biggest theological moments in my life in which I found great beauty and appreciation. We're in the was, Bible. We're in the Bible. But yeah. yeah. And I would argue almost the other end of that, the pendulum swings where it's unhealthy if you are discussing theology and you can't discuss the Bible while you right. discuss right. the logical arguments right. that you've read elsewhere. Yeah. I, and I would actually say you can... The purpose of studying <clears throat> theology is not to reach a logical conclusion concerning mm-hmm. a particular topic. Mm-hmm. The purpose of studying theology is to grow in your affection for Jesus Christ. And so like... Mm-hmm. As you're studying theology, like like one of the like I, I mentioned, one of my major swings is the 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 the, um, the church services for the church. That that hit me hard in my understanding and affection for Christ because He's provided this way for me to eat, to be well fed, to be encouraged. And so, like as you're as you're studying various theologies, it's meant to prompt you to deeper worship. And I would actually say that if you have a theology that doesn't prompt you to worship, it's a deficient theology, even if you're right, mm-hmm. even if you're right. It's so like there are people who can espouse, for instance, uh, can can give you a very clear example of every of each of the five points of Calvinism. I think they're all right, but they are so dry and dead as they give it. And it's like, I don't want that. I don't yeah. want that. And I don't want you to like, there's more there. And so I'm convinced that you don't understand a doctrine until you see it as beautiful. Yeah. Once you arrive there, then I think you, you actually understand it. Can I ask a question? Yeah. What parts of the northeastern U.S. have you gone to? <laughs> Which ones have you enjoyed the most? I actually took a cruise out of New York. Really? Yes, up the eastern seaboard uh, of Nova Scotia and St. John's, New Brunswick. That's Canada, though, right? It is. But you get there really quick because it's like, what is that, Maine? And then like <laughs> you're there. And now one of my favorite shows is uh, a lady that has a... Uh-oh. No, a lady that has a... <laughs> has a restaurant in Maine uh, called The Lost Kitchen. Mm. And like she tables all of her restaurant uh, through postcards. Like, and it's like she gets thousands and thousands of postcards. Mm. And anyways, like Maine's a beautiful, and it reminded me of being up there. So now I want to go visit Maine because of this show. New York, and I never want to go back to anywhere Yeesh. up there. I did spring break in Boston. Boston. I really loved it. It was snowing though. I would love to go in there. March. Uh, I thought it was a beautiful place. Um, cool historical things. Mm-hmm. We went to the Old North Church, and then I went to upstate New York, which, and never went to New York City, but I went to like, yeah, the country. Cooperstown, where uh-huh. the Baseball Hall of Fame is, yeah. and some place like that. And I'm like, it's cool. What else we got? Uh, Paul says that training physically is of some value, but spiritual training is of much greater. What are the things we should be doing both physically and spiritually to train ourselves? Are either of these forms of training negotiable? I don't hear you on this. No. No? No, they're not negotiable. Can I? Oh, yeah. Did you expect me to say yes? No, no, no. I'm saying like physical forms of training, I, I think, can in a sense be negotiable. I think that so, so far as you are able, unless you be providentially hindered, right? I think you should be a good steward of your body. Yes. And that being a good steward of your body does not mean that you have a six pack. Right. Being a good steward of your body Praise means. Praise the Lord. Me, yes, yeah, same. Being a good steward of your body means that, that, you, are, that you, you, are, you are physically capable of executing the duties that God has providentially given you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I that. So, like, 
I mean, I've told y'all this, like the two, the, the only reason that I do anything to take care of myself is because I have two tasks, right? My two tasks are being a pastor, which the, the healthier I am, the better I'll do it. Yeah. It's just that simple. And the other one is chasing children around. Yeah. Like you need to be able yeah. to do those things. But there are, now I don't. To, yeah, I to, think base level, like when Paul's writing that, like I think he's thinking of to win the wreath, the prize, like there was still like a culture, right, of yeah. ath- athletes competing. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're not all athletes competing. Like consistently as I get older, I find myself that, you know. You train harder now than you walking have. Walking yeah. on the Stairmaster is a consistent like slap. Yes. You know, and so like you can just be consistent in daily activity yeah. throughout your, yeah, know, throughout the day. Yeah. What about for spiritual? That's the other side of the coin, right? Yeah, and I think that someone asks us a question like that, and one of the assumptions in the larger view of the church in general is like, what can I get by myself and do mm. to make myself more godly? This is mm. so important. And I think that like that question is asked best in the terms of the local church. Yeah, like, I don't care if you read your Bible seven days a week if you don't go to church on Sunday. Like, what's... Yeah, what are you doing? How do you live it? I got flamed about this this Guy. very statement <laughs> like this. a couple of weeks ago by you. dear by dear brothers who I love and and the question was on Twitter. No, this is real life. This is <laughs> this is literally over a stake, and I'm sitting there and I'm having and the statement is I the question was well who's who's more spiritually healthy the guy who the guy who doesn't read his Bible but faithfully attends and fellowships with the saints on a regular that basis. Guy. All right, but hold on, but, but hold on, hold on, hold on. But like, but like, here's the deal. Here's He's, the deal. Like the whole thing is. And, does and, he work? We want him. Yeah. yeah. So, so, like, so like the statement. The statement. Here's, but here's the deal. It's like, it's like that, me saying that doesn't discount the importance of reading your Bible. Right. 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 And that's the whole thing. It's like that. There's a, there's a pitting against him, and it's like no, 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 no. This isn't a pitting against. But we need to remember that there were Christians for thousands of years who, who did not read? have a copy of the Bible. <laughs> who couldn't read? And, 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 not only, and, and so they devoted themselves to Christian fellowship and to spend time talking about the Scriptures over meals and things like that, and that was uniquely valuable. That, that does not mean I'm telling you not to read your Bible. Read your Bible. Spend time devoting yourself to it. I have read the book of Jude 12 times this week, right? Like, I don't do that because I'm a pastor. Why would you do that? Because I'm preaching it next. Hmm? And so like... We're preaching, we're preaching it, next. it next. We have a joint preaching account. Yeah, we do. Holy moly. <laughs> and, so, and so like... But, but there is a... Charles is laughing hysterically. <laughs> but like... I think that's true. It's, it's not an undermining of... It's not an undermining of the necessity of devoting yourself to the reading of Scripture. It's essentially an exaltation of the, in, the, the institution. Darren's going to write me a letter. The organism of the church mm-hmm. to minister and care for one another. And so it just gets old to me. Like, I think that you could... You could meditate on Romans 16, 21 through 23 this week every day. And not be spiritually stunted because you didn't read eight chapters of scripture. Right. That's very true. Yeah, but again, but read the, you read, should read your Bible. Read the eight chapters. Like you have the Bible and you can read. Praise the Lord. Do it. But we have, we have one more. We have one more. We have one more because I because this was directly texted to me and I want to do it because. All right, read it. Oh, I gotta get there. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Go 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 go. go. Oh, I gotta find it. I somebody it be you. thinking of a. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Do I'm trying. you want something from Bonchibo? Oh, wait, that? sorry. Oh, that sounds awesome, actually. <laughs> I thought that was something. Where did I? Oh, here we go. Um, uh, 
how does I'm trying I'm I'm trying to read it in a summarized way. Okay, how does the Armenian view differ from what the Bible teaches? Which I love that question. That's like my type of question. Is this is this a dividing line amongst believers? Can someone with the belief in election as God's foreknowledge be saved? Okay, first, how does the Armenian view differ? Did you from, catch that whole question? Yeah. How does the How does the Armenian the view differ from what the Bible teaches? Oh, and is this a dividing line amongst believers? So I, I there I think there are very few people who aspa- like inside of Christian circles truly that espouse a full blown Armenian view. Yeah, I think that's a straw man, right? To say like yeah, yeah, you're yeah. an Armenian is yeah. kind of a straw man. Yeah, like I, I was having a conversation the other day, and I, I don't know if I've ever met somebody who was a who was a true Armenian through and through. Yes, um, the the an Armenian is that I do the work essentially that gets me saved. Most people will say. There is something that the Christian does, but they would not call that a work. I think it's an inconsistency. They're calling it belief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that being the case, the major, the, the 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 truest distinction of an Arminian view is an Arminian believes that there are there are works that are done. They will like even Arminius would say it's it's works in cooperation. But the work that is done is a work that leads us unto salvation. I think mm-hmm. that's erroneous, right? I yeah, think that's faulty. Um, which the Arminian view is essentially an appeal <laughs> back to Catholicism. Uh, what's interesting that I have found is Catholics who come out of Catholicism into Christianity tend to have a really strong view against Arminianism because they see, and even some Pelagianism, because they see their correlation really clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, can someone, is this a dividing line amongst believers? Arminianism, absolutely. The the normative views that I talk to that I talk with people about, which is like a semi Pelagian but not completely semi Pelagian view, I would say we can we can get along here. It doesn't mean that you, they're not converted. It just means that there's there's reasons for concern. And then, uh, can someone with the belief in election as God's foreknowledge be saved? I I think yes. That's that's a yes. Yeah, I think that can is a, can's a difficult. People yeah. are are have been and are grappling with these questions yeah. throughout history. And like, I think that you can look at the scriptures and you can come to a different conclusion than we do about what election means. Yeah. You know, like I think there are a lot of people who see that as God elected a people and doesn't necessarily like he elected a people as a group. Yeah. Right? We say it's not a nameless, faceless blob. Yeah. And there are some who would say it is, and that doesn't make them not Christians. I think it makes, I think they have backed themselves in a corner. Right. But it doesn't make them unchristian. So if I were to, if I were to summarize the major distinction between, between the two, the major distinction between the two is where does, where does repentance and faith come in the order of salvation, right? So mm-hmm. the a Wesleyan view, which is going to lean more toward Arminianism, but is not Arminianism, unless it is, there are Wesleyans who would be mm-hmm. full-blown Arminians. And then maybe what is known as now provisionists, mm-hmm. that is their name for themselves. Um, they would say that uh, repentance and faith precedes God's work of regeneration. Meaning yeah. if you're looking at it in a, in a timeline, you have the individual of his own accord repents and believes the gospel. And because he has repented and believed the gospel, God then does the work of regeneration in him, Mm -hmm. giving him the spirit. So essentially, it's God who's responding to the work that that Mm -hmm. we have done. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at it from the, what I would think, what I would argue is the biblical view is that God looks at a dead sinner in his 
death and trespasses and his sin and trespasses. And then he, by his free grace, gives them life. And in that moment, they go from death to life. They have been born again. They have been regenerated. They have been converted. And then because of the Spirit's work in that individual's life, they're no longer dead in their trespasses and sins, which means they're no longer bound to their sin. There's a freedom that's there that was once Mm -hmm. not there, Mm -hmm. and they've been quickened. And because they've been quickened, they then, with new eyes, see and behold, Christ is lovely, and they gladly Mm -hmm. repent of their sins and believe on and trust in Jesus Christ. Most people will take passages like Ephesians 2, and they'll say, ah, see, It's a gracious act of God, but faith is the work that you do. The problem with that argument is it's actually an inversion of everything that Paul's arguing against. Mm -hmm. The whole purpose of Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, is to argue that there's nothing that you do to bring salvation. It's a very strange argument if the purpose of Paul is to say there's nothing you do to bring to salvation. Oh, wait, except for faith Mm -hmm. that you do, and this one thing is what actually saves you. Mm -hmm. So it's not God looking down the corridors of time to see that you've had faith because faith comes after his working in you anyway. It's God's God's foreknowledge is a a setting his affection upon particular people and giving them and and bringing about the new birth in them by the spirit so that at the new birth they are quickened so as to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ repent of their sin and in the midst of all of that all the benefits of salvation are conferred to them and then they begin to live the Christian life in sanctification and ultimately ending in glorification right and the bottom line being that even if we disagree on that Someone who says, I'm saved entirely by God's grace. Right. And he is keeping me to the end. Right. Like we, we disagree on those things. And then we would argue that they're being inconsistent, right. but like we, they believe the gospel. Right. We call those blessed inconsistencies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. The last question we have is um, where did Don go? Uh, Don went to somewhere Blake wishes he was going. It's true. Um, I think in honor of Don just walking off the podcast, we yeah. should both just walk off and not do the ending. You know, I got down from the pulpit on Sunday and Nanette came up to me, grabbed my arm and said, we're turning you gray. Gosh, she hit you And with I said, it, yeah, you are. I mean, not you specifically. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, every single one of you people. <laughs> it's important to note that the, that statement can't be in the podcast. Are we even recording? I don't know. Who knows? It's Charles.